know today, uh, Rylan and Josiah bring in the good word, and we're back in the book of Galatians, so that's awesome, chapter 5. Um, we are very honored to have Rylan and Josiah bring in the word, because these two men just love Jesus with their whole lives. They produce good fruit everywhere they go. They make their friend group, people, job places better because of who they are. Can we just say thank you to Josiah Rylan Vance? Um, I want to read you guys a verse here, and it's out of uh, 1 Timothy 4, and uh, if you don't know this, Timothy was a young guy being mentored by Paul, Um, but Paul wrote this to Timothy. He says, let no one look down on you because of your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. Is that a good word? Come on, guys. And a young church, he's telling them, don't let people look down on you because you're young, but live in such a way that brings honor to God through your speech, the way you live, and everything. Jesus, come on, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before. A lot of you probably have heard me say this, but if you haven't, just scholars believe that most of the disciples, if not all, besides Peter, were probably under 21, right? And you got to think, Jesus was only 33, right? Pretty young dude. So it's just like God raises people up when they're young, and Holy Spirit will work through a yielded heart. Anybody? Yeah. So anyway, today, and we know these guys, so it's well, but sometimes you can miss a message because of a messenger. And you never want to miss what the Holy Spirit is saying to you because of who's sharing from the front, right? God, God spoke through a donkey once. I mean, he, you guys are way better than that. No, I'm going to argue on that, right? You know, I mean, God can speak through anybody, even if they're not even perfectly walking with the Lord or they're walking with the Lord. So just open your heart. Just tell God even right now in your heart, God, I want to hear you today. I want you to speak to me. So let's welcome Ryland up first. Come on. If this isn't loud enough, you can turn it up. Yeah, okay. You can make the call. Hey, everybody. Um, So if you haven't been here, we've been in Galatians. So if you want to open up, that's where we're going to be. Galatians 5. It's after 2 Corinthians. It's before Ephesians. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, and then I'm going to talk a little bit, and then Josiah's going to talk a little bit. It'll be awesome. Um, So here we go. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ and have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. You are running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. I am confident about you in the Lord that you will not think otherwise. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I am preaching circumcision? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Cool. So, yeah, we've been in Galatians for a couple months. And we've talked a lot about freedom. We spent a lot of time talking about freedom from the law. We've talked about freedom from sin. Um, And in the chapter before this, Paul goes on a whole interpretation of a scripture where he's talking about how in the story of Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah, 
that it's actually an allegory for Jesus and it's how he's ushering in a new covenant of grace that's steering us away from the law and towards the promise. Um, and before he transitions to this big climax in his story and in his letter, um, he has this transitionary sentence where he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And as I was kind of preparing for the week and just sitting and praying and thinking about it, this was one of the things that really stood out to me. It was just this call to freedom and this call to stand firm um, and what that looks like for each of us. So with that, um, we read that verse and the question that kind of stood out to me first was like, oh, well then why did Christ set us free? And it's really clear and it's saying like, oh, for freedom. And I was like, what does that mean? Um, And in Paul's theology and understanding, it seems like there's this binary where it's either you are living in the freedom of Christ or you're a slave to sin, and there's not really a gray area in the middle. There's this really stark contrast between the two. Um, And in Romans 6, he actually says this whole thing where he says, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which will lead to death, or of obedience, which will lead to righteousness. So with this, there's this whole thing of like, you're going to be formed by something and something is going to shape what you become like. And you're either going to be like an obedient slave to Christ and be formed into this life-giving person, or you're going to be a slave to sin and it's going to lead to death in your life. Um, And it's a hard word. And I was thinking about that and I was like, where, kind of where do we see that in the church? And I was thinking about how I think in a lot of ways we've reduced sin to be this moral issue where we talk about sin as if it's I need to be a good person or I need to be a or I'm going to be a bad person. Um, And I think in the Bible there's such like there's such a rich idea that it is far more than being a good or a bad person. You're talking about either building a kingdom for life and a kingdom that's eternal, or building a kingdom of death and something that's going to you know destroy kind of your soul and the souls of the people around you. And there's this really big push that. Like the reason you need to eradicate sin from your life is to build that kingdom of love and life within you. Um, And so, like while morals can play into sin, it's not primarily a moral issue, it's a death issue. And sin is building a kingdom that is not in line with God's kingdom. And if the kingdom we build isn't built by God, who is the author of life, then it will not sustain life. And so sin distorts our ability to usher in the kingdom of love and of joy and of peace. Um, So that's kind of my heavy part. Take a breath. (laughs) Um, But from there, I was thinking, so we have have this idea of freedom. We have this, okay, so what are we free from? Or what are we free for? And um, I think what Paul's talking about is far more than a freedom from the law or a freedom from sin or a freedom from death even. It's the freedom for the kingdom of heaven. It's a freedom to choose God instead of choosing this other thing. And so if we want to choose that and we want to orient our life around Jesus and we want to orient our lives around his teaching, we have to figure out how to get that teaching from our head into our body and into our soul. Um, So that kind of transitions us into how do we stand firm and what does that look like? So to live out that freedom that we've been given. Oh, sorry, I lost my notes. Got it. Yeah. So, um, we orient our lives around Jesus, and that is standing firm. And in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, and how once you've done that, you've done everything to stand, you will stand firm. So, there's this idea that more than it is about, like, standing firm isn't the process, it's the result. So, you have to do things to stand, and the result of doing those things is that you're able to stand firm, and you're not movable, um, And in that passage, we get to where Paul's talking about, hey, we don't have this battle against flesh and blood. We have this battle against powers and principalities. So there's things that are coming against your soul, things that don't want God to flourish in you, things that don't want you to have peace, don't want you to have love, don't want you to have joy. And so we have to orient our lives around Jesus in his way in order to counteract those things that are coming against our lives. And so Paul's commanding us to put on armor in God the same way Roman soldiers put on this armor that prepares them for battle. And so the thinking that kind of goes from that is, well, what does it look like to put on that armor? What does it look like for us to prepare ourselves and stand against these things that are coming against our soul? So for me and from kind of my my time following Jesus, one of the things that's been most powerful in my life has been spiritual formation and spiritual discipline and thinking about what does it look like 
to take the things that Jesus talked about and the things that Jesus did and get them into my own life so that they can work from being in my head to being in my body to being in my heart so that my inclination is to do the things that Jesus did and I don't have to convince myself to do them anymore. Um, there's a really awesome metaphor. Tyler, I think it's Staten or Staten, who is the pastor of Bridgetown in, um, in Oregon, has this really good metaphor about how spiritual formations are like an anchor for a boat. And so if you're in the ocean and you fall asleep at night, you don't lay down an anchor, you can wake up the next morning and be miles from where you thought you were and have no idea. But if you lay down an anchor, you may shift a little bit to the left, to the right, forward and back. But at the end of the day, you're rooted in this center point. And so in the same way, the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual formations are anchor points for our soul that let us know, hey, am I shifting? Where am I going? And they pull us back into alignment with the character of God. Um, And so to talk about spiritual disciplines, I want to welcome my beautiful friend, Josiah, who is going to crush it. And he's amazing. Yay, God. That's one of my favorite expressions. Can everyone say, yay, God? It's one of the easiest entrances into his presence. (laughs) Yay, God. No self. Yay, God. (laughs) Um, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Galatians 5 as well. And I'm very excited because I believe that Galatians 5 is kind of one of those like hallmark um, passages. It's one of those hallmark chapters, I think, of the life of of a disciple. I think that um, Galatians 5 teaches us that life in the spirit is something to be ever continuously studied. It's something to be ever continuously uh, approached from this place of like, I don't know it all. So Holy Spirit, help me to know more of it. Help me to understand more of how I can yield to your spirit, how I can understand you, how I can be a disciple to everything that you're teaching me, everything that you're showing me. So um, I'm just going to pray real quick because prayer is good. Um, God, thank you for this time. Um, Thank you for your spirit. I just ask Holy Spirit, help me. I just thank you for this room and I thank you for your presence. Help us to understand more of you. Help us to yield to your spirit. And help us to see you. Thank you, God. Bless you. Love you. Amen. Yay. Okay, can everyone just quick little like exercise to get us kind of like out of a little foggy funk. Okay, can everyone just raise your hands and just say, God, I thank you. I praise you. God. I thank you, I praise you. Psalm 100, enter into my gates with thanksgiving, enter into my courts with a song of praise. So simple. It doesn't have to be complex. You can just stop wherever you're at in your day and just say, God, thank you, I praise you. You've probably heard me say it many times in the the house of prayer where I'll just stop and be, thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. It's simple worship. It's simple devotion. And um, so that's what I want to talk about in Galatians 5. I'm going to go super quickly through verses 16, a little bit of 19 through um, 21, and then finish with 22 through um, 26. Um, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so it may be a little bit more wild than the ESV. (laughs) Um, As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life, for your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. Wow. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. So everyone say, self-life of the flesh, new creation life 
of the Spirit. New creation life of the Spirit. There we go. But when you're brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Yeah! Okay, so I, I got so whacked off of that verse alone, I, I had to stop and just meditate for like an hour on that one. <laughs> uh, because the, I think like what that's talking about is when you fully understand when you can live by the Spirit, you can live from a heavenly place here and now. And you can soar above law. You can soar above condemnation because those who are in Christ Jesus, right, our life is enfolded into Christ. You're above law. Christ came to fulfill the law. Your life is now hidden and enfolded into Christ. And you're soaring above the law by abiding by his spirit. Yea, God. Yea, God. Okay. So uh, 19 through... 21 is talking about the cravings of the self-life. Um, cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in the way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? Um, Ryland touched a little bit on this, but I think this is really important because this is like this is this is a moment where we have to like check. Our spirits. This is a moment where we have to be attentive to. Yes, we've been given freedom, but this freedom does not come as uh, like a, a free reign to do anything, right? And I think most of everyone understands that, but I think that is something to just clear the way for. Of just like we are obedient to the Father. He's He's given us a life to yield to the Spirit, and in the Spirit there is freedom, and with that freedom there's the responsibility to again be obedient to the Father. Does that make sense? Okay. So, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, patience, oh sorry, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. Wow. For everything connected with our old, with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him so we may, we may never be arrogant or look down on another. For each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Wow. Thank you, God. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. It's this kind of like, I, I like to think of Galatians 5 as like a hug and cracking the whip at the same time, and then another hug, and then crack the whip again. It's just like, you know, Paul's just really trying to like, okay, freedom, oh, but also uh, the life of the self, but also these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but also jealousy that diminishes the lives of others. You know, it's just like, whoa, you got to be like, you got to be aware that it's not, it's not a straight line. It's not a how shall you say, it's not stagnant, I think is what I'm trying to say. And, and does that make sense? Like it, there's, I think that's what's so important about scripture, looking at it from this place of like, um, I don't know, maybe we think about like, uh, another example is like uh, the stock market where there's just all these like ups and downs, right? And there's going to be constant fluctuation. Um, and knowing that there's going to be moments and times where you'll be able to focus on scripture that's going to be like, wow, like, this, is a really, this is a really good point. And then it's like, oh, man, I feel really convicted about that. Oh, another really great point. It's like, wow, I feel convicted again. And I think that's, that's Holy Spirit working within you when you read scripture. 
And when you allow for yourself to be convicted, you will for sure allow for yourself to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is both the convictor and the comforter of your life. The two C's that have had, that has marked my life. He's both convictor and comforter. And a life that is yielded to the Spirit is subject to both. It's subject to both. We want all the comfort. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Holy Spirit, I need more comfort. Just please comfort me. God. Holy Spirit, I could really use you right now. <laughs> um, yeah, like who hasn't been there, right? But, but when you stop, right, where it could be in scripture, it could be in your day to day, and someone says something or the Holy Spirit shows you something and you're like, whoa, that's really real. That's wild. That's kind of rocked me. Um, I think that's important to be convicted by Holy Spirit. Because we're grown by conviction. We're matured by conviction. We are grown by conviction. We are strengthened. I think um, there are really simple things that we can do as simple spiritual disciplines and exercises like I just showed you guys raising your hands and just saying thank you God praise you God enter his courts enter into his gates right that's super practical you can do that every day of the year anytime you want all day long I do it it's great I highly recommend it it's like one of the best things of my day when I just stop I'm like thank you God praise you God because I don't have to strive for it. I'm not going into like a Starbucks and like opening my laptop and trying to study some part of theology for five hours and then like, God, where is it? Show me, God. You know, it's like, oh, it's just right there. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you that I can be right here, present with your spirit in me that's alive and well. I can be moved by your spirit. I can be influenced by your spirit, inspired by your spirit. So help me to yield to you. You guys know what yielding is, right? It's when you give, right? In traffic, you give the other person the, the ability to go before you, to go ahead of you. Holy Spirit is going ahead of you to make a way for your life. So you're saying, Holy Spirit, I yield to you just because I know in my heart of hearts, that your direction is going to be far greater than my direction. So Holy Spirit, help me to follow you. Help me to be obedient to you. Cool. Um, okay, spiritual disciplines. <laughs> I'm going to try to stay pretty focused on this um, in a concise time because it's, it, it is a little bit like, it's difficult if it is like a new topic or if it's something that I guess um, people aren't familiar with, but um, yes, spiritual disciplines. This is the way that my brain has thought of it. I want for all of you guys to know, this is just the way that my brain has like formulated. This is the way that God has shown me spiritual disciplines in my own life. So this is not the like catch-all. This is spiritual disciplines for every believer in every which way possible. I just want to make that very clear. Like, this is me just between God and I be like, cool, this is spiritual disciplines. This is how my life has been impacted by Holy Spirit. Cool. Okay, so let's go into an overview of spiritual disciplines. Spiritual di disciplines are habits, practices, and experiences that are designed to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of spirit to build the life Oh, sorry, to build the muscles of one's character and expand the breadth of one's inner life. Cool. Okay, so that's an overview of spiritual disciplines. Um, so there's the breath, there's meditation, there's denying the self, there's service, there's gratitude. And I kind of wanted to keep it pretty simple, just like five, I feel like is enough. I feel like even three or two spiritual disciplines is like a good amount. But these, here's five, because you guys get five, and I think that's cool. Um, why not? Spirit, uh, the spiritual discipline of existence. So within breath, right, everyone here is breathing, right? We're all 
alive. Breath for me is like, it's one of those forefront spiritual disciplines because if I can't come into communion with Holy Spirit and with the Father with my breath, nothing else will be in communion with him. It's, it's, it's recognizing God, I'm before you. Thank you for the air in my lungs. I honor you. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. There it is. With me saying, God, I praise you. God, I thank you. That required breath. And that came from God. There it is. Okay, so. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, verses on breath, I think, should be the next one. Cool. Um, yeah, so here's some verses on the breath. I feel like it's not commonly talked about um, within church. So here's just like some context. Here's some like application. Here's some reference. Um, if you guys want to go through those, you can. But I just wanted to put that in there just to give you guys some context. Um, cool. Breath. Breath allows us to carry out all spiritual disciplines, which in effect allows us to grow closer to both God and man. So, in serving one another, in blessing one another, in giving someone a prophetic word, in healing someone, in listening to someone, everything requires breath. So, the closer that we can understand, wow, like, what is the influence of God's breath, and how can I be shaped and molded by that, that can be a great understanding for our own life. Of like, wow, God, help me to be shaped and molded by your breath. Because by origin, Adam and Eve were shaped by God's breath. From the get-go, breath, both in creation of earth and man, is super important. I think it's like really, really important, but maybe it's just important. In my own personal life, it's super important. Um, the fixation of breath. So there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And some of these slides may look a little like wonky because of like of the formatting, but it's okay. Uh, there's grace on it. You know, there's always grace on it. <laughs> um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So this is super simple. The recognition that Father, Son, Holy Spirit each have a divine influence in your life, right? The spiritual discipline of coming into communion with Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right When you're praising Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're acknowledging the triune essence of God. Simple. Good. All right, let's do it. Let's move on. Um, what is breath to you? I want to ask this. I think it's good for people to just take time, just to think, to ponder. This doesn't have to be... I don't know, how shall you say a monologue? Everyone say, I'm not an observer. Can everyone say, I'm not an observer? There we go. Can everyone say, I'm not just an observer. I'm a contributor. I'm not just an observer. I'm a contributor. Whatever Holy Spirit teaches you in here, you can teach to other people through your life and through your own testimony and through the revelations of Holy Spirit. Awesome. Being present, absolutely. Okay, sweet. So, um, the discipline of stillness, question mark? It got a little cut off, but that's okay. So meditation. So I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard like meditate on scripture day and night. Um, this one thing I seek, this one thing I desire to meditate um, in his simple all the days of my life. So, I think meditation is one of those things as well. It's another spiritual discipline that I feel like throughout my life, I guess I, I grew up in like the charismatic of charismatic churches. And like even still then, like my understanding of, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like, oh, Skylar, he gets me with like these facial expressions and I, I like trying to focus, but I, I sometimes I can't contain it. Um, even still then, like with having all these crazy teachers, like meditation was not something that I learned about until just even the past like three years, right? And it doesn't have to be this super complex, like, woo, like 
crazy thing. Meditation simply is just taking time to be still before the Lord and meditating upon him. God, thank you for being my life. How can I listen to you? How can I meditate on the things that you've already said? How about we just take 15 seconds just to meditate on God? Right? Let's just pause. 15 seconds. Just meditate on God. Amazing. Cool. Okay, so within meditation, here's some scripture on meditation because sometimes, you know, there's just application, there's reference, and there's context. And I think it's important. Even though, unfortunately, my eyes, I might need glasses. I'm just putting that out there. I think I have, like, what is it called? Like astigmatism or something like that? I, yeah. It is small, but I sometimes can't read uh, freeway signs, so I should probably get that checked out. (laughs) Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord. I live by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Okay, so meditation, breath, posture, presence, and intent. Okay, so within meditation, right, there's these four aspects. And this is, again, guys, just this is the way that my brain has processed this. So there's the breath, starts from the breath. Your posture, right? In scripture, it talks about what is the posture of your heart. So there's physical posture and there's spiritual posture. So when you come before the Lord, you're saying, God, I'm posturing my heart towards you. And in that, I feel like there's a, uh, in the proactive approach of your, your spirit coming before the Lord, there's a reactive action that your body will be obedient to your spirit. Does that make sense? Your spirit says, I'm coming before the Lord, and your body's like, okay. Even before, even before my hand reaches the top of however far I can reach, my spirit already knows that I'm about to praise the Lord. Yeah? Yay, God. <laughs> uh, um, it's the simple things that get you whacked, guys. It's like, it's not that, it's not that difficult. Um, <laughs> posture, presence. So when we, when we thank God and praise God, he says, enter my gates with thanksgiving, enter into my courts with a song of praise. Presence is what transforms our lives, right? Has anyone ever seen an Upper Room live stream? They have it in big words. His presence transforming lives, morning, noon, and night, right? His presence is transformative, right? And so the more that we allow for ourselves to be in his presence, the more that we become transformed. There we go. Oh my gosh, amazing. Okay, intent. What is your intent coming before the Lord? Is it to listen? Is it to receive something specific? Is it to even just be marveled and amazed? When was the last time you came before the Lord and you're just like, I don't need anything. I don't even need to say anything to you. I just want to sit with you. I've sat with people before, you guys, at a coffee shop, in a living room, where like five, ten minutes could go by. And you're in such close communion with the presence of that other person where it's like, I don't feel like I need to even say anything. My... I am so content and so joy-filled that I just get to be here. That that's enough. That's enough. Is it enough just to sit in his presence? That's a rhetorical question. Yes, it is. It totally is. Okay, awesome. Let's move on. Okay. Stillness of breath, stillness of posture, stillness of presence, stillness of intent. There is stillness within all of it and stillness I'd like to think of it as like the, the, the grace and the joy of God is almost like the glue that holds 
all of life together. That is what keeps us still in this place of like grace and joy. I, I know that I'm fixated in my life here now. I'm secure in the presence, in my identity that he's given me because of grace and joy. And I feel like stillness has a lot to do with that. Okay, awesome. Okay, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. I'm sure you guys have heard this before. Okay, so be still. Can everyone say be still? And know that I am God. Okay, so first, what does it say? Be still. Even before still, what does it say? Be. Be. When is the last time you've gone up to someone and saying, how's, like your, how's your being been? Have you been being of recent? Have you, have you just done some, some bee time, you know? <laughs> oh, um, be still and know, right? There's an assurance. When you're still, here we go. Be still and know. Stillness, assurance, security, identity. That he's God. Simple. All right, let's move on. Praise God. What is meditation to you? Um, I can't remember if this is a duplicate, but what is meditation to you? I, I like, can't remember if I put this in order. What was the first? Um, I think it was what is stillness to you. Might have been that. What is breath? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So, moving on. Okay, the discipline of suffering, denying the self. Okay, let's get straight into it. This is the good stuff, you guys. This is the good stuff. This is like, this is where it gets really fun as being a disciple, okay? So, there's listening, which I'm sure you guys have heard this many times, right? Be quick to hear or listen and be slow to speak. Awesome, okay. So this is like, this is a hallmark spiritual discipline. A hallmark spiritual discipline. If you can't nail this, there's not, I personally, like, I know for my own life, I will speak for myself. If I can't nail this, there's not much that will come thereafter. I have to first understand that I need to lower myself before others so that I can be taught by others. And being taught by others is not just their own self, but Holy Spirit making manifest in them to teach me more about the kingdom. But it requires me to listen and to humble myself, right? Words. Okay, so what does this say? The tongue has the power of life and death. Tongue has the power of life and death. So I'm sure you guys already know that as well. Um, this is also super important to understand because the, the words in which we speak, they, they create the environment that you want to see in your life. If you are speaking words of life into an environment, that which will come from that environment will be life-giving. If you're speaking words of life into... A person, Matthew, you're incredible. You're a son of God. You're called into sonship and adoption into the kingdom of heaven. You are so loved. You're a favorite. You're contended for. You're championed. And I mean that. <laughs> words of life. Can everyone just say words of life? Challenge, right? Bing, 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 bing. Challenge time. This next week, I challenge you to speak a word of life over one person every day. It's really not that complicated. It's not that difficult. It just takes like 30 seconds. Um, honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your, pro- of all your produce, right? So honor, a culture of honor is super important. I feel like in community, in relationship, in friendship, in um, even, yeah, housing, oh my gosh, culture of honor, like, 
how can I recognize that I need to honor the people that I'm living with, with my actions and my words, and how I'm stewarding what kind of, again, it goes back to the environment in which you want to see. So that's denying the self. Can everyone say denying the self? It's not super fun, but it'll be super, super rewarding. Um, discipleship is costly, and I'll just go through this super quick. If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside the selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conf- uh, sorry, conforming to my example and living and sorry, my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Wow. <laughs> that was another verse where I just had to stop and take a couple deep breaths. Because it's, it's, it's wild, you guys. This is, this is the reality that we live in. Discipleship is costly. It will cost your life. There is no room for your self-life in the pursuit of Holy Spirit and life with Christ in being a disciple of him. The discipline of compassion, service, right? We have mac and cheeses, right? We have Jesus burgers. We have all these things that allow for us to be servants onto one another, right? And a spiritual discipline of service is about recognizing that there is action, right? So in denying the self, you could deny the self but not really ever do anything. But I, I believe personally that there is action to be followed after denying yourself, and this isn't action out of works. This isn't action out of striving. This is service that comes from a place of, Father, I know that I get to worship you in everything that I do, both convenient and inconvenient. The Lord really wants to show you what it's like to worship him in an inconvenient place. It's super easy to worship from a complete convenient place in life. You're feeling good, you're doing well, making enough money, you got your ducks in a line, right? In those inconvenient places, it's super important to still have that same heart posture. God, no matter if life is convenient or inconvenient, I'm still going to listen to you and I'm going to be obedient to your word. So compassion is about seeing, hearing, and knowing, right? So can everyone say seeing, hearing, and knowing? Seeing, hearing, knowing, right? When you see someone and you, and you hear someone and you know someone, there is a great ability to extend compassion to them. And with that, with seeing, with hearing, with knowing, there's action that follows from a place of gentleness and loving Christ within. So compassion is about understanding God, thank you that right here, right now, it's enough for me just to stay put. I can extend my awareness, my love, in my service towards something else or someone else. Father, help me to be compassionate. Can everyone just say that? Father, help me to be compassionate. In being compassionate, we understand more of the heart of Jesus. And I want to know the heart of Jesus. Why? Because that's what we're after, to become Christ-like. Praise God. Yeah, God. Okay, let's, let's move on. Okay, last one. You guys are doing so good. <laughs> the, the discipline of fulfillment. Um, uh, wait, hold on. Sorry. The, like, formatting got a little... Okay, there we go. Okay, gratitude. Okay, there we go. There we go. So there's non-attachment, wholeness, 
praise and thanksgiving and fulfillment. So within this, right, non-attachment is understanding that I'm sure many of you guys have heard in scripture, those who hold on to their lives will lose it. But those who lose their lives for the sake of Christ will find it. Yeah? So non-attachment, that's a spiritual discipline. And it can boil down all the way to like, even trying to get rid of like a t-shirt, which I've, I've dealt with that in my life. Oh God, like, I can't get rid of this. Like even just like little objects, it's crazy. It's crazy the world we live in. It's wild. <laughs> Wholeness, understanding. God, thank you that I'm arriving and I've arrived. Yeah? <laughs> Wholeness, you guys. Nothing missing, nothing broken, right? We have to understand that in becoming a disciple, Jesus wants us to come into communion with wholeness. Praise and thanksgiving, right? This is what I was talking about. Thanksgiving, right there in Psalm 100, the primitive root for it is yada. The root of yada is yad, which means hands. Yada, different context, different word. Same yada, different yada. This yada means to shoot or to cast. Right? And it's talking about in the context of arrows. The root of this is yod, which is hands. So thanksgiving, can everyone go like this? Thanksgiving is to literally cast your hands. Yeah? So you can literally just... All day, you can just walk around. You don't even have to, you don't even have to. I'll sometimes walk around like in my bedroom just for like an hour. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. You guys, our devotion to Jesus, it will be difficult. It will be troubling sometimes, right? But he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's not for us to take on the way of the world. He's overcome the world. So, in gratitude, in praise and thanksgiving, in fulfillment, we can understand, thank you, God, that you've already fulfilled the law. Thank you, Lord. I'm soaring above the law. I'm not bound by law. I'm soaring above the law. Why? Because I'm yielding to your spirit. Okay. That's a summary of some spiritual disciplines. And I hope all that made sense. And I just want to assure you guys that um, there's a lot to be learned in this world of like spiritual discipline, spiritual formation. Like this is coming from a guy that has like 10 books on Thomas Merton alone. Like it, it is, there's a whole plethora of like literature and so much that you could dive into. It's really cool and I love it. But I also know the practical side to it is just a daily practice. But if there's one thing that has like, been a constant and like an absolute hallmark practice in almost every single day in my life for the past like year, year and a half is literally just saying, thank you, God. Praise you, God. If I can enter into his gates and then enter into his courts to be in his presence, how much more is my day going to be affected by his presence? it's probably going to be affected pretty drastically. If I'm posturing my heart to be in his presence every single day of my life. Sometimes there's days that I don't, but I'd hope that I and also other people around me would desire that. Because it's super cool. And it's super awesome. So thank you, God. <laughs> That's Galatians 5.
And thank you so much for listening. A good word. Um, there's going to be a quiz on that afterwards. So you're going to be grabbing that on the way out, and we'll see how you do. Okay? But on a real note, ministry time? Okay. Um, yeah, just trying to sense what the Holy Spirit wants right now. Does anyone have a question, though? Because I know that was just like a lot, and just wondering if anyone wanted to ask something or needed clarity on something uh, that was mentioned. And also, are you going to put that in the group me or no? Your all those notes, you can. I think you should put them in the group me, yeah. Because that will allow people to kind of go into the things that spoke to them. Um, but anyone have any questions on that? You don't have to. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And no, I'm just kidding. Well, that's actually that. But I would say, like, to summarize it in two points or three points, there is simplicity within spiritual discipline, and there's also complexity. And I believe that the simple things have drastic measures of transformation in our life. The complex stuff is just everything that follows after. But if you can't practice and understand the simple stuff, then you're definitely not going to get like the complex stuff, if that makes sense. That's good. Really good. Yes? Mm, mm, mm. Go, brother. Go, brother. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Yeah. Well, a real simple one is one brings you to God, one pulls you away from God. Yeah. So condemnation will always like make you feel like crap. Conviction's like, whoa. You know, dad's calling you up to a higher place. Oh, wife has one? I'm right. Well, just another thought on that, too, is I think um, conviction brings, like, has with it the empowerment for change. So there's hope in conviction, and there's faith and grace with conviction, whereas condemnation is way more like there's no hope. Like, now I just messed up, and I don't know an alternative or a way out of that situation or my mess up. If you ever have liked a message, Holly usually writes my sermons and I preach what she gives me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you have a question? Um, what would you recommend as an easy way to introduce a new spiritual discipline into your life? That's a great question. That's a bad question. Wow. These are great questions. Um, it was asked, what is uh, an easy way to introduce a new spiritual discipline into your life? Okay. I think the most important thing in all of this is just being directed by Holy Spirit. There's been times in my life over the past three years, three years ago I started, you know, meditating. I'm like, God, I want to meditate with you. I want to understand more of this. And for six months, it was like, just only meditation. I think sometimes, though, um, like... Introducing things can be uh, a process of just desire and passion. And then I think with that, understanding more of it is good. It's just like there's an aspect of not getting uh, attached to spiritual disciplines because I think that is like not healthy as well. Because there's been times where I'm like, I'm just going to go back to meditation because I know that I can just meditate and it's going to be okay. And everything's going to be fine. And that's how I'm going to resolve this. And that's been completely wrong. (laughs) Where it's just like... (laughs) But I would say it comes from a place of just saying, Holy Spirit, like, what do you want to teach me? We're students to Holy Spirit. We're students to Christ. 
So in every spiritual discipline, it's an opportunity just to learn. And it just depends on what you want to learn more about and within the kingdom. You know, Alan's not here and um, Rachel and stuff, but they're really going after the Sabbath right now, you know. So they're in like a small group and they're practicing the Sabbath with other families, with other people. You know, that is a spiritual discipline. So, and then I know people at the JB House are reading through God's Word right now, right? Some of you. That's what I'm talking about, Aaron. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, but they're doing it together, you know, and that is another spiritual discipline. So there is something about doing it together because we're very much in an individualistic culture. But Hebrew culture was all about togetherness, you know, Torah being read together, discussing it together. Um, So sometimes if there's an area that's weak, so you want to go, you want you want to go after like stillness, sitting with the Lord, find a partner, say, hey, we're going to go after five minutes a day together you know, and keep each other accountable and just sitting before God. I'll tell you, if you can do five minutes a day, you're carrying the peace of God. Because you may be like, oh, five minutes, nah, 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 nah. Five minutes is a challenge just to sit in stillness with no, like, instrumental music playing, just stillness before the Lord. Thank you. Stamp that. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's a different long conversation for another time but uh, the simple answer to he says how do I meditate the simple answer is I be still right so it requires intent so that probably means going to a place of stillness to encounter stillness and then I know that he is God and in that everything else within meditation comes from that place of just Okay, guys, I gotta go, right? JB House, I gotta go be by myself, you guys, okay? That's how I meditate. It's so complex. It's so complex. That was good. Shamala. That was awesome. You could say something. Super good word. It's oh, it's a bonus word. It's a bonus. That's a bonus. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that was just so good, Josiah. Seriously, because I just feel like you sprinkled seeds everywhere, you know. And people will take what they want to take, eat what they want to eat. Um, but you know, end goal is what? Yeah, God. <laughs> so all the disciplines are just, you know, invitations to more of Him. You know, so we don't want to overcomplicate it because, you know, I was a season where I was like what you said with meditation. I was like, Lord, this is how you come in stillness. Sha, sha, sha. Jesus. And he's like, no, read your Bible. No, God, I just sit here and there's your presence, but it's not coming. My hands are still open wide. Why aren't you coming? You know, he's like, read your Bible. I don't want to. 
just comfort me, you know? And so it's just like, he will, I mean, what is he inviting us into, right? What is he speaking? And for me, like the disciplines have been massive, you know, um, they're just tools in the tool belt, but in different seasons, it does look different, you know? So, yeah. Anyone else? I know where Josiah's sitting, so I can hand the mic back. You have a comment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I feel like remembering the context, too, of Galatians 5, right? That, like, what is the purpose of spiritual disciplines? It's to bring us closer to Jesus. It's also to, like, I love the passages about walking by the Spirit. So it's giving us practical tools to empower us in a greater way to walk by the Spirit and being very aware of not turning them back into just another law, because that can be easy to do, too. There's so many different spiritual disciplines, you know, those are amazing, but just, yeah, listening prayer, which is similar to meditation, sitting before the Lord, and just that being a place that um, things can really flow out from, because we are learning how to, to live from the place of the Holy Spirit, versus living from the things of this world, and the flesh, and just, you know, operating out of a different realm. And that's really the, the heart of them. And it can look so different for different people in different seasons. Many men. Cool. Anyone else? Uh, Skylar? going to go through every one of the disciplines starting with silence then moving on to the word then praise no <laughs> um Demis do you mind coming up here you'll probably have to drop the mask once you get here um I just want Demis to end with reading Galatians 5 the whole thing to us and we're just going to stand and hear the word of God and that's how we're going out today sorry about that you got it yep there it is Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to, to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In, the case, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another.